Hey, everybody, this is Mark in San Francisco. And this is Gordon in Boston. And this is Build Phase. What's up? Oh, nothing. Yeah. Just tired. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a long week. That and I usually get into the office around 10 these days. Oh, have you? And then on Friday, oh, I'm like, or it's Thursday night, and I realize I should go to bed because I have to get up <laughs> at 6.30. <laughs> Yeah. That never happens. Yeah. I was up at 5.30. And then That's I, normal for you, right? Yeah, but then I also went back to bed. Mm. I didn't actually go back to bed. I went to the couch and just went to sleep on the couch. Hmm. That's an interesting tactic. Once you're on your feet, once I'm on, I'm on my feet, I can't like go back to sleep. <clears throat> I, I decided last night to not go to the gym this morning and that I wanted to try to it's been a really long week, so I wanted to kind of just reset, kind of. And so I decided last night to not go to the gym, and so this morning when my alarm went off at 5.30, I was like, no, <laughs> there's no reason for me to be up right now. Like, I was planning on just waking up and watching Justified, which is what I do in the mornings if I wake up at 5.30 and I don't go to the gym, is I just watch TV and eat breakfast. It's awesome. Um, but I was like, that's not, I'm not doing this, so I'm going to. I'm just going to sleep. So. What's ju- what's justified? You don't know justified? Oh man, it's so good. It's on uh, FX, I think. Yeah, it's on FX. It's a uh, Elmore Leonard, Raylan Givens. So Elmore Leonard has a character Raylan Givens. It's in like three books and one short story. It's like this uh, Kentucky this guy from Kentucky who's in the Marshall Services, and so you know all of his books and he's just kind of this old school cowboy style (laughs) guy, but he's working for the marshal services in like present day. So he's like, it's like if you just took up John Wayne, like classic John Wayne kind of characters and then just plopped them into, into modern day. I don't know. It's really, it's Hmm. really the, the first two books in the short story are super, super, super well-written. And then, the fourth book is such a huge pile of dog shit. Like I couldn't make it through half of the book before I was just like, I can't, I can't fucking do this anymore. Um, but the show is great. The show's on FX. It's in its like fifth season or something. So um, it's got uh what's his name? Uh, I don't remember his name. You'd know him if you saw him. He was the, he, you, you remember go the movie go. Come on. You've seen go. The, the the one night from different perspectives drug movie thing where they go you haven't seen go no i'm sorry i'm i'm josh uh, clayton i'm josh dude. claytoning how old are these movies 1999 the, man we're the same age i know hmm. you have to have seen this movie oh good now no. i can see what his name is his name it's timothy oliphant you know timothy oliphant oh yeah Yes, he was yes. in uh, Live was Free in or a... Die Hard. Hitman. Yes, I I remember him most recently from Live Free or Die Hard. Yeah, Live Free or Die Hard. Hitman. Uh, go. Uh, I don't know. Oh, Deadwood. Right. He was also in Deadwood. Have you seen Deadwood? I think I've seen an episode of Deadwood. God damn it. <laughs> Whatever. Anyway. Yeah. He he's the main <laughs> character in, in Justified, and he's awesome. And it's a great show, and you should watch it. All right, I'll check it out. That whole time you were talking, I'm trying to like suck down as much coffee as possible to, <laughs> to be more funny. I can just that hear myself like... just sounding 
like Al Gore. <laughs> what you are hearing me talk. That doesn't look like a uh, French press coffee that you had. Nope. So I didn't have time to do my normal routine, so I went to the Keurig. But somebody's been making tea in the Keurig. So when I made it, all these like tea leaves came out of my coffee. Nice. I'm like, well, screw this. And I poured it out, and then I went to the fridge and got this uh, double shot espresso thing. It's not very good. <laughs> That's so, sh- shocking. Because I'm, I'm not used to like this much dairy, yeah. and it's I'm not enjoying it so far. We were out of cream here. I went and I made coffee, and I was like, what the hell am I supposed to do now? <laughs> so you just didn't have coffee? No, I'm drinking coffee. I put milk in it. Mm. This is such exciting podcasting. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I guess we should talk about something real. <laughs> uh, so do you want to talk about interviewing? Yeah. And what kind of what we look for in, in uh, applicants and that kind of stuff? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, this is essentially prompted by um, Aaron Vey. He, uh, he's a developer in Canada. Um, and uh, he was talking about he was going on an interview and he they immediately made him do kind of those typical bullshit code questions. And he said that it just he he completely blew the interview just because he was like hard to operate well under those circumstances. And I kind of, he never responded to me, but, but, uh, I kind of started ranting about it. <laughs> like every one of his tweets I was talking about, that I was just, uh, messaging him and back being like, I, like I have strong opinions on this. So. Have you ever been in one of those situations? How'd it go? Yeah. How'd it go? Yeah. <clears throat> so when I was doing a lot of applying and interviewing in 2012, Every other place that I interviewed at, beside ThoughtBot, had me do um, some sort of like code challenge like that. Mm-hmm. I think there were four places. Three out of the four, it was the same exact challenge. Fizzbuzz, reverse a string. Oh, reverse a string. Yeah, because foundation doesn't come with a, a reverse right. or anything. And so, by the by, the third time I got asked this question, I was like nailing it. Mm-hmm. But the first time, I definitely stumbled over it, and I. I think it cost me the interview. Yeah. I I can't stand that tactic. I really, really, really can't. Because um, I, I kind of went through the same thing, right? Where I had, you know, again, interviewing. And um, I think I went on a job application for a Ruby job, actually. And it was, like, probably a really crappy idea. And it was good that I didn't get the job because, you know, I wasn't – I'm not as good at Ruby as I am at iOS. But whatever. Um, but like they were asking, you know, I had to do fizz, like I literally had to do fizz buzz on a whiteboard, you know? So do you know fizz buzz? No. Fizz buzz is like the archetypical interview question. The idea is given a, uh, a range from one to a hundred, print out the number Unless the number is divisible by three, in which case you print out fizz. If the number is divisible by five, you print out buzz. And if the number is divisible by three and five, you print out fizz buzz. So it's like one, two, fizz, four, buzz, six, seven, or whatever. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, like, yeah. 
so and and then and then the the kind of main thing is you should be if you write fizzbuzz correctly you should be able to change the range to any number of any to any number it, could, it should be able to be in an infinite or in infinite range and and fizzbuzz should still work mm-hmm. and it's just so, kind of like one of those things it's like i guess that's an interesting puzzle but i'm never going to do that ever ever <laughs> like i've never yeah, I, I guess they really want to see like how you think about it. Yeah, but it what that comes down to is like, do you know about modulo? Right, like, that's what that specific right. question does. Right, exactly. And you're under pressure, which most of the time, you know, you're not going to be under pressure. No. Like, and the best and thing even do- even if they say even if they say you know like. Uh, this interview specifically, I had like a bunch. You know, every time there was someone going, you know, it was like. Okay, so look, you know, there's no right or wrong answers to any of these. It's just about how you think. And it's like, bullshit, there's no right or wrong answers. <laughs> like, it's a test question. That's exactly what this is. There's absolutely a right, in my head anyway, even if they they sincerely meant that they weren't going to judge me based on my actual answer, they just wanted to base, they just wanted to see how I thought through a problem. You know, like, questions that they didn't know the answer to, and it's like, how would you do this? And it's like... You know, it's like a 15 minute interview or, you know, a half hour long interview. And I don't know. I need to spend actual time sitting, thinking about this. You know, it's not something, you know, it's just it's stress. It's stressful as a as a interviewee going into those kind of a situation. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I don't there's there's I'm sure that there's people that excel in those kind of situations. Right. That are like love the that like on the spot problem solving um, love having to be in that kind of a situation, but I don't think that that's an interesting metric for hiring necessarily. No, because it's not it's not the it's not the condition in which that person will be working, right. which I think is the point of every interview is to try to simulate exactly what those conditions will be like, and then evaluate their problem solving skill. So, someone like myself who's fairly introverted. Like when someone's sitting over there, like looking over my shoulder, watching me try to solve something, mm-hmm. 25% of my brain is like worried about this person <laughs> looking at what I'm doing. And the other right. 75%, no, 65% is like working on the problem and 10% is probably thinking about candy, right. which is just typical. That's fine. But, you know, usually it would be 90% working on the problem, 10% candy. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> no, I mean, even when, even when if I'm, if, even if I'm pairing on something. So like today, for example, I'm pairing on a Mac app. Same Mac app that I was doing mockups for a while back. We're kind of doing a reboot um, of of this internal application to see if it's worth pursuing internally. Um, and so I'm pairing, and it's a Mac app, and I'm pairing with one of our Ruby, one of our Ruby developers. And like a, a good portion of my brain is not focused on uh, is not focused on what code I'm writing. A good portion of my brain is focused on like don't make a typo. Don't, don't, you know, you're, you're typing too slow. You're a slow type, you know, it's like doing all this kind of like, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, don't, don't look at the keys. Don't look at the keys. You can't look at the keys. You're supposed to be a typist. You can't, you know what I mean? That's not, that's not something that I think normally, you know? So, um, I don't know. Uh, what, so what did you do during your interview at at ThoughtBot? Was it just pairing with, yeah, so I had um I did a I did a over the phone 
um, I did an over the phone technical interview with uh, with one of our developers, and um, he I basically sent him uh, an app that I had built, um, and it actually kind of sucked. Right, I said I said. Hey, whatever you do, don't look at master. Just look at this branch over here. <laughs> master, that instills confidence. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like it's like master is awful. I'm just gonna be honest. Master is just awful. And to be perfectly honest, like the the branch I told him to look at wasn't. It was it was a lot better than master was, but it wasn't like anywhere. Like this is an app that I've literally just killed outright at this point because i'm like i don't have i don't have time to wade through this kind of shit um but so i was like look at this branch over here and then once i got in the technical interview it was very obvious that he just looked at master and i was like shit <laughs> uh but you know we just talked about the app and he he asked me questions like um you know i see you're doing this can you tell me why you know and it's like Sure. Yeah. You know, I, I, at the time I did it this way because I was dealing with these limitations and, you know, based on, you know, limitations mo mainly that I had caused myself, but it was kind of like explain, you know, explain why you did the things that you did, even if they're wrong. Right. Even if, even if like, if you look at a piece of code and you're like, that's objectively wrong, um, what they're doing, it's, it's, he was trying to get to why I made that objectively wrong decision, right? Is there some kind of deep-seated misunderstanding that's easily cleared up that will lead me to not get to that objectively wrong decision? Or is it just a whole bunch of things? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So there's a lot of questions like that, like, why did you do this? He actually was looking at the git commit history and was like, you have this enormous commit. Can you tell me why? you have this one huge commit. It's like, I don't know. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, you know, I, like, I don't know. I don't remember why I had that one commit. I think it was actually a merge commit. Um, and, but I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't remember. So there's a lot of questions about like an existing application that I, I had built. Like, I think that's the key here is that, is that this is something that I had built on my own without pressure, right? This is, this is what I was actually writing. Um, and then, and then kind of asking me, you know, if you had to do the whole thing different, if you started this same project today, what would you do differently from when you started this project originally? It's like, so now I can talk about, oh, I would have rather, you know, have testing set up. I would have made, you know, better OO decisions, better networking decisions, better everything decisions, you know? Um, so I did that, and then we have a non-technical interview. So basically the stages here are like code review, and at any stage you can kind of be dropped out of the process. So so code review, and then um, a non-technical interview with Chad, our CTO, uh, or sorry, CEO, um, where we just talked about, you know, just trying to get personality stuff down, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, are you interested or are you excited about working here? Kind of a thing, you know what I mean? Is your, is your personality going to mesh with the personalities that are here now? Or, you know, or yeah. are you coming in with a huge <clears throat> ego and that kind of stuff? Um, for me, that part comes down to like, 
would I want to pair with this person for eight hours? Exactly. And, exactly. and also because we're a consultancy, can I put this person in front of a client? Mm-hmm. Will they, like, if I'm not around, will they be able to conduct themselves professionally and explain right. things well? And, right. Like be the face of ThoughtBot that we want everyone to be. Right, exactly. Or are they saying things that you're like, wow, maybe I shouldn't put this person. I can't like if 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 you're thinking I can't leave this person alone. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or am I gonna have to you know read this person's emails before they send them off to a client? Can I trust this person to just email a client directly and say the right things? Or, you know, whatever. Um so then after that, there's the, there was a, essentially the technical interview. I didn't, I don't think I had like a straight up technical interview. I just came in for pairing. Um, and so for pairing, uh, like I just came in and I basically worked here with, uh, with, uh, a developer for eight hours. You know, I, I think I got here at nine and I, I don't think I left till six, uh, and typically we would do um, half a day and half a day, right? So you'd pair with two different people so you can get two different opinions on the person. But, you know, like you were the only iOS developer at that point and you were in San Francisco. So <laughs> we were going to do remote pairing and I wasn't going to go to San Francisco and whatever. Yeah. Um, well, actually, I, I think we were both interviewing at the same time. Really? Like, I think you interviewed even before I had started. Yeah, we were kind of like in the process together. Hmm. You only started a week after me couple weeks but oh yeah um yeah but but the point the point is that now like we would do multiple pairs you know what i mean like if someone comes in in san francisco they could pair with you know you and diana or theo and diana or you and theo you know what i mean and then here they could pair with me and and tony um but it was literally just like hey let's sit down and you know goose the guy that i was pairing with he didn't touch the keyboard all day it was just like you know, if you if you have questions about something, feel free to ask. Talk through your process. We're gonna pair, but I'm just sitting here. He did origami all day, and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and it's all sounding very familiar. Yeah, he wrote he he did origami all day, and I wrote a Twitter client. That's exactly that's you know. exactly what I did too. <laughs> yeah. and it's a good exercise. You know what I mean? Because I hadn't dealt with the social framework that much at that point. Not for building like a standalone Twitter client like that. So. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was it, and that that part of the process is partially designed to test skill. You know what I mean? Like part of that is definitely like, you know, how are they able to write code on their own, and are they able to problem solve on their own? But the other part of it is like, like you said, can I actually pair with this person for eight hours? Can I sit with this person and and have them sit next to me for eight hours and not want to punch them in the face? That's a good metric. <laughs> no. <laughs> totally. You just can't tell people that, Gordon. <laughs> what, that you want to punch them in the face? Or that that's like your bar. <laughs> I think it's a anyway. decent bar. <laughs> um, it really cuts to the core of it, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's basically, I mean, that's basically our, our process here. And Fun story about when I was pairing, uh, and I thought I had completely blown it because about halfway through the day, I started getting this crash in this Twitter app that I was building, and and I was like barely into it. I'm just like displaying tweets in a list, mm-hmm. and it was something was not hooked up right in Interface Builder, mm. and I'm pretty sure at this point it was an Xcode bug 
that kind of like masked this this issue. Mm-hmm. But what it came down to was when I went to change the custom class of a cell, I put I, I you know I typed the letters in, but I never hit enter in that field. And then I was like, oh, I, I need to do this. I switched to a file, and then switched back, and it like touched the like the interface builder file, I think. But whatever I had typed in that custom class was still there, but it had never been like written into the XML file. Mm-hmm. And so every time I tried to run it, it was like blowing up. And I spent like an hour trying to figure this out as Goose is like making me a paper owl. <laughs> <laughs> and I totally thought that I had blown it. But I think it actually probably helped because he learned more about how I debug things right. than just like watching me cruise through building a Twitter app. Right. I actually think that's more valuable. Yeah, exactly what you're saying. You know what I mean? I think that seeing what people do when they run into a problem or run into something that they haven't seen before, you know? So that was like a good thing for me in this, in this case was like, like I said, I hadn't done any really deep stuff with the Twitter frame, the social framework. And I wasn't familiar with the Twitter API at all. So he gave me a basic understanding of how the Twitter API worked and then you know was like you know okay we should we should do this now you know like like kind of walking me through the steps of what I would need to do to build the Twitter client so not like I had to just kind of like figure it all out but it was like you know basically here's what we want to do we want to kind of go through these steps and then just letting me figure out how to do those steps you know I ended up with a problem where I just wasn't thinking and I was reloading the table view after fetching this tweets. I was reloading the table view and I wasn't explicitly doing it on a background thread, but it was being called from a network callback. So it was implicitly being run on a background thread and I was running and I never forced it to reload on the main thread. So I was doing this, it was doing this, it was taking forever. It was, it was just, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't manifesting itself in a in a way that immediately made me say, "Oh, this is being done on the main thread." Obviously, right? Like when when you have a table view and it does nothing, and then you like try scrolling and everything pops in, right? That's very uh, very obviously. Oh, I must have refreshed it on the background thread. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? This was doing some weird things. He was like, it, it was making it look like the network was hanging, like just kind of nothing was happening. And so so it took me a little while, and then we finally figured out, oh. Right, duh. I'm, you know, calling this method from this network callback over here, which is implicitly going to be run on a background thread. So I need to force it to be run on the main thread over here. Um, that kind of stuff. What was what was your interview experience when you you uh, when you interviewed Jack? Like <laughs> like like going into that, how do you interview the guy that wrote the book? Ah, <laughs> uh, man, and he's going to listen to this too. So. <laughs> uh, that was, I mean, I mean, Jack's Jack's an awesome guy, but Jack's been doing Objective C since I was like nine, you know. So, 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 uh, it, you know, I, I think my main thing with with Jack, and I think I've communicated this. You know, it's like guys like like Jack, guys that are super experienced. I don't think you know you, you you're not going to be concerned about. Do they actually know what they say they know? Like you said, like when you've written books and, you know, you've worked for the kind of companies that like Jack's worked for, like, you know, he he knows how to write objective C. I'm not worried about, I'm not worried about that. What I'm more concerned about at that point is like, 
how interested in are you how interested are you in like moving the platform forward you know what i mean like my my main concern was like cocopods and testing right because there's so many people out there that are just kind of like and if you have reasons for not liking cocopods and not liking testing that's fine my, I, i'm i'm okay hearing those reasons my problem i i what but like my main concern when hiring a more experienced developer is like we want to experiment you know what i mean i all i want to do is go and experiment with stuff and try to figure out the best way to to do things and if you've been doing it long enough that you've convinced yourself that you know hard fast here's the best way to do this you know it, it makes you less flexible to trying new things and it makes it makes it harder to you know if you're not willing to kind of still play around and try new things try reactive cocoa for example you know what i mean um which jack's been playing with and and i think is is a great asset to the team because i don't understand i still don't really have a firm grasp on reactive reactive cocoa but he's been doing kvo long enough that he has a better he he can kind of like transition right into reactive cocoa stuff with uh less overhead it's kind of like uh, I think we've talked before about masochistic programmers. Yeah, yeah. The people who insist on doing things the hard way because that's the way they've done it for so long, and not wanting to adapt when you know new versions of the compiler come out with new language features or new new frameworks. I've interviewed at least maybe just one, just one guy like that. Yeah, and it was just a little concerning. I mean, he still he knew his stuff and he was personable enough. I was just worried that. He, he wouldn't be willing to kind of like keep up with all of our research and constantly redefining our best practices. Yeah. I think, I think the, the most interviews or most applicants that we do, I feel like get weeded out at the code review stage and that may be good or bad. I'm not entirely sure. Um, you know, maybe we should be better about bringing people in to talk to them to see if they're a cultural fit or a personality fit. But, like, I'm picky about red flags in code review, right? Like, one is if you don't have stuff on – I'm not saying you should be doing open source work all the time. You know what I mean? But the kind of people that we tend to hire are the kind of people that like to do little – I don't care. It doesn't have to be a whole app. You know what I mean? Like, if we ask for code samples, we're not looking for for a, you know, you to submit – you know, the Facebook, Facebook dot app, you know what I mean? Like it doesn't need to be a big complex app. It doesn't even need to be an app. All I want to see is how you can tell a lot by how someone codes. If I, if I open a file and it is written with manual retain release and it was created three months ago, you know what I mean? Yep. That that tells me a a, f- a few things. One, it, it could mean that you've you're you've been learning in a vacuum and you're working off of incredibly old source material. You know what I mean? Which isn't great. You know what I mean? If it, if you're not if you've if if you wrote it three months ago and you're you're and you're learning and you're writing manual retain release. You either don't have a firm enough grasp on retain release to move to ARC, or you're learning off of bad info, or 
the the flip side of that is that you love manual retain release. And the main problem there is that at this point we're kind of past like we like we as a as a company like like the iOS team here we're we're kind of over manual retain release. We're not super interested in writing that kind of code, so if you feel strong super strongly about all my code needs to be written without arc then that then that can cause problems because the whole point of the way we work is to have people basically be lego pieces and you should be able to swap you know what i mean like i should be able to work on an app and then have you jump in and our style should be close enough and our our you know theory about the way code should be written should be close enough that you can just start working where I left off and, you know, we can swap people in and out like that. So if I come into an app that's written without arc, there's going to be that moment where I'm like, Oh crap. This thing has retain written all over the place. Now I got to start change the way I would normally write, you know? Yeah, totally. I, I think it's necessary for us to weed out most of our applicants at the at the code review phase just because of the sheer number mm-hmm. we don't get quite as many as the as the ruby folks but we're in the um unique position of having people come to us like thoughtbot doesn't really have to do a lot of recruiting and, that, and that's a really good place to be because we kind of get our pick uh of the litter yeah so to speak um i don't really think it, 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 if the red flags mount up and on you know, in the code or Something else for me is if I go to someone's GitHub page and I, and I don't see those little like experimentation apps, you know, especially when I was reviewing code right after iOS 7 came out, I kind of expected to see like, here's a repo where I've been playing around with UIKit dynamics mm. or new API somewhere. And I understand that like people have jobs and they don't necessarily want to go home and code, but I think what that shows is passion. And that's one of the things that I like to see at the code review stage. So maybe is it's it, not, yeah, maybe it's not a red flag, but it's like a, because uh, I think that's, I think that that could be sending the wrong signal, right? It's not, uh, okay. it's not a problem that they don't have that stuff, but when you do see that stuff, it's a plus. Okay. Yeah. That's a, that's a better way to put it because if they don't have it, I'm not going to discount them immediately. I'm just right. going to ask to ask for you to pull something out that you're super proud of mm-hmm. or that you think uh, shows something really interesting and send me that. Mm-hmm. And kind of explain it a little bit. Mm-hmm. That's perfectly valid. I totally get like if people don't have you know GitHub pages that are like flush with all these toy repos and stuff. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're if you're already you know in the business working forty fifty hours a week on right. code. Right. Yeah, I get that. So I guess it's a it's a bonus to see that <laughs> sort of like passion and excitement about what you do. Yeah, absolutely. But I think that's the critical way to phrase it. Right? Is that it's about it's about stacking up the positives, not necessarily stacking up the negatives, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. We're, we're, like typically, when I'm looking, I'm I'm looking. If I'm looking over someone's code, what I'm hoping to see is someone that I'm excited to work with, right? Like, oh, this person is using all these things, and you know, they have this, like, they're doing this stuff that maybe I am not super familiar with. And I think it would be really interesting to have someone that has that kind of knowledge on the team. You know what I mean? Like 
like Tony's, for example, Tony's, Tony's understanding of like Bluetooth technologies and like hardware stuff is kind of freaking amazing. Like the dude's an electrical engineer and he was sitting in the office last week designing a freaking Arduino board, (laughs) you know? So like that's, that's the kind, that's the kind of person that like, we don't really have that anywhere else on the team. Yeah. Yeah, that intellectual diversity is good to have. Yeah. You know, similar situation with Theo, his math and physics background right. has come in handy more than a few times. Right. Right. Yeah, definitely looking for people that can round out the knowledge set that already exists on your team is a another positive. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm <clears throat> I'm constantly striving to hire people that are going to make me feel like an idiot. Exactly. That's what I want. That's yeah. that's what I want. I want <laughs> I want people that I I want <laughs> I want to be the dumbest person on the iOS team. <laughs> you know what I mean? I really, really do. I really want to be the stupidest person on the iOS team. I will fight you for that. <laughs> <laughs> because if I'm the stupidest person on the iOS team, it means that all I can do is learn, right? Every bit of feedback is going to be learning for me. Um, the last thing I want is to be the smartest person on the iOS team. Uh, and I can firmly say that I'm not. So that's good. Good job, me. <laughs> that's why we have the podcast. Right. <laughs> uh, um, I mean, it's that, you know, you never want to be the smartest guy in the room kind of a thing, you know. You want to be around people that make you say, like, holy crap, I never thought about that at all. Mm-hmm. What do you do if you do end up being the smartest person on the team? Find a new job. Just leave. Serious. Uh, I, I, I'm, if, because that's a problem, right? And it may be a systemic problem in your company if you're the smartest guy on the team, right? Like if you're, if you, if you're, if your company can't attract smarter people than you, then, I mean, I always operate under the assumption that, that I'm an idiot, <laughs> really. <laughs> You know what I mean? No, yeah, see, no, I know exactly. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm always like, you know, gonna be like, you know, this company is doing me a favor, <laughs> you know, what I mean? uh, by keeping me on. Um, and so, from from my perspective, if I'm the smartest person, I would be like, mm, why can't this company hire actually smart people if I'm the smartest person because <laughs> I'm not smart, right? I'm an idiot. So <laughs> uh, if I'm, you know, if I'm the best that my company can hire, that's probably not a good sign. <laughs> uh, Do you think this is like residual imposter syndrome? Oh, it's all imposter syndrome. That's, that's I'm, I'm basically a meat sack full of imposter syndrome. That's all I am. I'm, I'm just walking imposter syndrome. Um, I'm, I'm writing that down for a show time. A meat sack full of imposter syndrome. <laughs> yes. Okay. That's fair. Uh, <laughs> meat sack. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I really would. I really would. If, if it gets to that point where I'm the smartest person, I think you have to move on. I really do. And I, I think that everyone at ThoughtBot is is conscious that, you know, like learning's a big part of our, our, our culture specifically. Like we've kind of beat this horse to death at this point. But, um, learning's expected. Learning is encouraged. 
you should always be experimenting with new things, you know, um, different languages. Like we have people that do Haskell. We have people that do closure. We have people that do really good at shell script. We have people that are, you know, insanely good at Ruby. We have people that are really good at objective C. We have people that are really good at C. We have people, you know what I mean? Like there's always someone that you can go like, Hey, I don't know this thing. Can you teach me this thing? You know? Mm -hmm. And I think that's super important. And I think another side to that is that, if on the course of your personal development, you kind of decide that you're ready to move on to something else, like it seems like people typically leave ThoughtBot for product companies for one reason or another. Yeah. But maybe, maybe they feel that like they've gotten what they could get out of being a consultant at like the best consultancy in the world. In the world. Right. And now they're ready to like focus in on something else. And right. we don't hold any ill will towards those folks. Like, like we believe so strongly in personal development that if like that's the next step for you, then awesome. Right. right. Absolutely. Like get yeah. the hell out of here. Yeah. And have a great time. Yeah. Yeah. What's your hypothetical next step there, Gordon? Uh, I, I, I said this a bunch to friends and family and stuff, but I couldn't see myself going to a different consulting agency, honestly. Like I'm so spoiled by the way we do things and I like it so much that um, if I'm going to do something else, it would be a product and it would have to be a product that I feel really really passionate about because i've i'm just really bad with adhd and stuff so um you know i can't it takes a lot for something to maintain my um attention over long periods of time mm-hmm. um and that's one of the things i like about consulting too is like you know every few months or so i get to try a new thing and try a new problem in a new domain and i can try new ways to solve those problems maybe it's the same problem maybe it's just core data problems right but i can try new methods of solving that same core data problem that i've you know until i find the one that's like yes thank you this is the freaking answer you know and now Mm -hmm. i can move on to other problems so you can't really get that with products you know if you're doing one thing unless you just you know trash the app and restart it you know you're Mm -hmm. not going to be able to get that same kind of Constantly creating new projects, constantly like refining your workflow, constantly getting that stuff down. Yeah. I think you can do it with a product, but not in the short cycle that most startups operate in of like getting something to market and kind of like building it out and constantly having to course correct mm-hmm. like when, when a company is that small. But I think if you get to work on something long enough and you know the code so well that you feel comfortable like refactoring this whole thing right here and trying something new. Mm-hmm then like that becomes like a really good sandbox to do those kinds of things in. Mm-hmm. But you really have to be on a project long enough to be able to get to that point. Like mm-hmm. years, I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. So I think it, it, it is possible. Um, but like what you were saying of constantly getting to do something new every couple of months, the thing that I like is that when I augment other teams, like that's just even more learning from people yep. that are like outside the sphere. Yep. And getting to use all kinds of different tools. Like I think I've used almost every project manager at this point. Right. And, you know, like then you get to be like, I've used all of these and I'm, I really like Trello. Yeah. And you have good reasons for not liking Pivotal Tracker, for instance. And that just helps us refine our own processes. So that's going on across 50, 60 people. And then we're constantly distilling that down into research and then applying it back out across the company. Right. I don't know that other consultancies do that. I don't think they do from what I've heard. All right. (laughs) I don't know. 
See ya. <laughs> I don't, we don't really have a bunch of show notes this week, so I guess we'll uh, link to the playbook. That might be good. That's kind of relevant to ThoughtBot's hiring practices. Yeah, it's all laid out. Could, yeah, I'll go through and, and we may pull. I don't, I don't remember what we talked about. We'll, we'll try to pull out some links from this. And so the show notes are going to be found at podcasts.thoughtbot.com slash buildphase slash 24. And as always, we want to hear from you. So email us at buildphase at thoughtbot.com or contact us on Twitter or app.net at buildphase. Also, ratings and reviews on iTunes, please please do those because they're super great. <laughs> Even if they're bad, we like feedback. Yeah, no, we do. All right, man. All right, I'll talk see to you later. You.